Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell, and in this episode of Chick Flicks, we are talking about the movies Misery and Christine, which are both based on Stephen King novels. And this episode will wrap up our month of Stephen King movies. But first, let's catch up. So we both watched Hustlers. Yes. And, and we both loved it. Uh, did you like it? Yeah, yeah. I loved it. I when JLo comes out and is first introduced and she strips to or pole dances to um Criminal by Fiona Apple, I got full body shivers. I was yeah. like, oh. Yeah. I realized that like watching this and watching Unbelievable this week, that my favorite genre of anything is women working together on like projects. Yeah. Team ups. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes for scams, sure. sometimes investigations. Yeah. <laughs> like it, I was surprised by the tone of Hustler. I would say like the first third of the movie is like this utopia, exactly like how they are positioning in the film where it's like women dancing, getting rich, mm-hmm. enjoying each other. Yeah. And then it gets really dark and sad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was also surprised at how almost like serious it was. Yeah. Um, but I did like it a lot and I liked that it felt very warm towards the, it was almost like a fantasy in that like the two leads Mm. were so like warm to each other even though there was like this big betrayal like it felt like at the end yeah j-lo's character i forget their her name Mm. ramona like yeah sorry spoilers uh Mm. was like carrying the picture of destiny yeah wallet i was like wow my heart and then i know i i loved that so much i know that was so sweet yeah. I will say I was interested, or and I, I am interested, um, to kind of like check in and read what actual like sex workers have thought of this film because mm. I will say there was a definite tone where the leads in the movie are like we're the good guys and we don't do that extra sex stuff, you know, like uh, and those yeah. are the bad girls and they do they will do it for money right. and there's like kind of this um, scene where Destiny is. Like sexually assaulted, I guess. Like she does something beyond her her level of comfort comfortability for money, and it turns out the guy only pays her sixty dollars yeah. when he said he was going to pay her three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And it's framed like a, a you know like a, a a rightful like terrible betrayal, and she's mm-hmm. crying when she talks about mm-hmm. it. But I was just like, hmm, I wonder how people who are in this profession and dance feel about this movie. Yeah. I wonder too. Mm. I mean, it. Mm. I wonder. I also haven't read the original article that it was based off. Yeah, of. me either. So, I mean, I. I mm-hmm. guess I would be interested in seeing how what like Destiny actually thinks about the movie, like the actual person yeah. it's based off of. That yeah, movie. that would be, that would be interesting. Yeah. Mackenzie, what else are you into this week? Terrace House. It's so good. <laughs> um, I watched like. Uh, opening new doors when it first came out on netflix of like a year ago or two years i don't know when it was mm-hmm. um and then the tokyo 2019 2020 just came out i think on netflix and i just am like mainlining it i love it so terrace house is um it's was like a show in japan for like ever but netflix recently started mm-hmm. putting its claim on it or whatever um and so now it's so easy to just stream and it's about uh it's like reality television where they just like a group of six people live in a house together strangers they just live in a house and you watch them live in a house together and i've never watched anything like it like like the american like what, i don't know big brother is that 
Real World. I've never whatever. watched Big Brother. I've yeah. never I've never watched any of that, but I watch Terry's House. Are they all young? They're like teenagers or young uh, no, none of them. Well, there are a few like nineteen year olds. I guess this would be the youngest, but oh, God. Um, there it goes. And the oldest that I've seen because I've only watched Opening New Doors in Tokyo twenty nineteen twenty twenty. So the oldest I've seen is like thirty one, maybe thirty two. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, mostly a, twenty a, people. U- in their a utopia of young people. Yeah, it's really good though. <laughs> uh-huh. Highly recommend. Um, for probably the same reason that anyone would recommend like any reality television, and that it's yeah, like, it's like brain candy or yeah, pretty much visual candy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the third thing I'm into is the album Blood Bitch by Jenny Vol Haval. I don't know. It's like my last name, but you're right. Of all, <laughs> um, but it's this album by a Norwegian artist that came out in 2016, and it's basically about like vampires, and it's uh, inspired by a lot of like campy 70s horror movies. Mm-hmm. And it when I just listened to whole thing today, actually, again, and. It's very like narrative, and even if you're not like paying attention really to what's the the songs are about, I still I, you still feel like you're being like drawn through this story, which yeah. I just love, and it's so like creepy and atmospheric, and yeah, highly recommend, and especially That's with cr- the spooky season a- approaching. Oh yeah, exactly. It's this is the time to break out your spooky playlist. Yeah. I am so excited. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait. What about you? Um, I'm into this week. I'm reading. Um, a book called Sour Heart by Jenny Zhang, and she is this great young author, and her book, I think it's her debut book, um, but it's a collection of short stories primarily about um, the immigrant experience in America through the eyes of like young, first-generation um, Chinese women who live here. And it's really beautiful and like kind of grotesque at parts, too. Um, she's just really into like visceral ideas about the body as well, and I'm really enjoying it. She's a great writer. Um, kind of related tangentially to Hustlers is Fiona Apple is one of my favorite musicians ever. And she's like a real recluse and very rarely emerges to give interviews. And she only puts out an album like every six or seven years Mm -hmm. and she's close to putting out an album, but she recently gave an impromptu interview. Uh, it's kind of like a weird long backstory, but she donated all of the royalties to criminal, her song, to they'll go towards races, um, R A I C E S, which is like they help immigrants, um, which is really cool. So, like, mm-hmm. all of her royalties for Hustlers will go towards that. That's awesome. And the director of Hustlers was talking about it on a red carpet, and Variety released the video of her interview. But instead of her saying the royalties will go towards refugees, they bleep out the word refugees and dub over with the movie. And so I know super weird, but Fiona what? Apple like called up a journalist to talk about it. She was like, uh, what the fuck? Yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> because well, That's so weird. <laughs> it's so, and variety was like, Oh, it was just a mistake, but super weird. Anyway, Fiona Apple gave, she's re- emerged to give a great interview. Um, I just love her so much. She's just a woman who like doesn't give a shit. And she also, always, I saw like recently she, uh, the little Nas thing. Yeah. <laughs> I know, Lil Nas sampled her, and she part of this interview, she was like, where's my money, you cute little guy? Yeah. <laughs> he is a cute uh, little guy. He is cute! <laughs> she, like, doesn't want a beef. And in that interview, she also mentioned Brendan Urie of Panic! at the Disco calling her a bitch. 
Oh, like shit. on an, in an interview because oh he she did he wanted to sample a song of hers and she wouldn't let him, so he called her a bitch. And I was like, that guy's a fucking douche. Yeah, you are no longer my biggest crush from eighth grade. Buddy <laughs> yeah, <Mary>. retroactively <laughs> pulled that. I know. <laughs> so funny. Nice try. Anyway, yeah, love Fiona Apple, and cool. I am preemptively psyched for her twenty twenty album to come out. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. I didn't know she was doing that. Yeah. All right. Do you want to dive in? So our first film that we're talking about is Misery from nineteen ninety. Annie Wilkes is Paul Sheldon's number one fan. When the famed novelist crashes his car and wrecks his body during a blizzard, it is Annie who finds him and brings him back to her home. Annie's home isn't quite like the rehab center Paul expected. She is a fickle, frightening caretaker who hates swearing and loves sadism. Disappointed with the final novel in Paul's Misery series, Annie demands that he write a sequel to fix the finale's shortcomings. Isolated from the world and tortured by a madwoman, Paul must write for his life. Ooh, right for his life. Was this, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, the catchphrase for the movie is like, he used to write for a living, now he must write for his life. Oh, so okay. I saw that. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, I didn't know that, so thank you for bringing it to Have you attention. seen this movie before? No. I've seen neither of these movies before. Right, but I've okay. seen, like, I, it almost feels like I've seen it because I've I know, seen, it's so like, referenced. Like, clips or gifs of Kathy Bates doing the sledgehammer mm-hmm. to the ankle thing, like, so many times. So I'm almost like desensitized to it. I feel like, yeah. And it, it's just been referenced by so many things. It, mm-hmm. It's one of those things where when you, yeah, when you watch it, you feel already familiar with it because right. it's, um, and I think and I'm not even sure I knew it was Stephen King before being familiar I, with the references. Me too. You know? And I think, I think it was detrimental to my watching of the film to be honest. Yeah. Agreed. And I really, I enjoyed the film. I will think I, it's dated in a, a few like noticeable ways. Mm-hmm. Like the music, for instance, like really got me. It just felt like schmaltzy and kind of like over sentimental. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like if you had, if you could like redo the composition of the, the like kind of update the soundtrack for this movie, it would be like really different and good, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and read less, I don't know, just like corny, I guess at times. Right. I think the difference between a lot of other Stephen King movie soundtracks is that they're like very like eighties, like retro feeling and which is very in right now. But the tone of this movie is just so different than a lot of his other movies. Yeah. So it doesn't work. And the movies, the music is different too. So, yeah. Especially in contrast to like what we'll talk about later, Christine. Yeah. Um, this feels less of a, like a period piece almost, Mm. but more dated, if that makes sense. I think so. Um, and but so like above and beyond the best part is Kathy Bates' performances. Yeah. Anyway, she's so good. She's so good. Yeah. She's so scary. Mm-hmm. She's I think the first person, the first actress to win a Oscar for best actress for a horror movie. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is really really cool. She deserves it. She deserves it. She get, does um, such a good job of like switching back and forth between Annie being kind of like this old, you know, middle-aged woman with all of these like kind of hokey mannerisms mm-hmm. and she doesn't swear and mm-hmm. she's like a little corny mm-hmm. uh, and then being like legitimately terrifying. Right. Like when she screams and throws stuff at him. Yeah. It feels um, like real, you know, she's very good at it. It's almost like it's very fast how the change happens between being like sweet and violent, but it she does manage to build it in that short amount of time so that it, it doesn't yeah. feel like a switch is flipping or that um, like it's just like the changing of the masks she manages to like build up to it even within like a few seconds so it feels like it's Mm -hmm. like the tension you could feel it 
I like that. Yeah. It's all like the same performance. You know, it's not like she's playing two different characters. Right. Exactly. It's like one woman who is, Mm -hmm. has all of this inside of her. Yeah. Um, I read the book two years ago, maybe misery. Um, and it's really good. It's a, it's like very tense and thrilling because it's from Paul's perspective, you know, as he's in the bed Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of it is kind of goes deeper into his like imagination and Mm -hmm. his backstory, why he's laying there. Um, and I was reading that Paul, uh, James Kahn, who played Paul in the movie, like kind of had some trouble doing this role where he was so reactive the whole time. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, he's like in bed. Mm -hmm. He is not, he's, you don't really like learn in the movie much about Paul really as a person because it's so Annie driven. Mm -hmm. Um, but he was still good. I enjoyed Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, me too. I, he looks, what else is he in? He, I didn't look He's in Elf. Okay. He's the dad in Elf and he's in Godfather. Those are the two. Okay. I think I knew him from from. It is funny though, because it's like he's normally plays like kind of like a gangster or like a tough guy, mm-hmm. and you're like, wait, where to believe you wrote a romantic series about a woman in the 19th I century? I thought that was. I have never heard of a man writing a romance series like this. Have you? Yeah, I don't weird. know. No, I or maybe I, I just like don't. I don't know of any. I don't know. It it is weird, and if he is supposed to be kind of like a stand-in for Stephen King, mm-hmm. I guess I wonder if Stephen King did that because he was like, what would a crazy woman be into? You know. Like, it's not like yeah. Annie Wilkes would be like, who, as who she is, would be into like Stephen King's novels himself. So yeah. he couldn't be like a horror writer. He had to be a writer of women's novels, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. That's, women's. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. It's like tricky. It, uh, I recently read this our article in The New Yorker about superfans, mm. um, kind of about the whole phenomenon now of people becoming like pretty diehard about the things they're interested in. And it talked about, you know, how game of Thrones fans Mm -hmm. signed a petition to remake the last season and like star Wars Sonic had to be, you know, (laughs) re-edited. I mean, I agree with that. (laughs) I support the Sonic change. Yeah. But, um, it touches on in Wilkes. is kind of like one of the OG super fans. Um, Mm -hmm. and this author, uh, Michael Shulman writes that Annie Wilkes King told me recently was inspired in part by Mark David Chapman, who assassinated John Lennon hours after getting his autograph. Um, and it talks about how King, not long after Misery came out, he was at a baseball game with his son and a man broke into his house with what he said was a bomb, claiming that Annie Wilkes had secretly been based on his aunt. Uh, and King says, you know, his wife was okay. She ran out and the cops found the guy in the third floor of their home and the bomb turned out to be a bunch of pencils wrapped together, but, uh, it was still unnerved King. His Mm -hmm. novel about a stalker fan had summoned a stalker fan. People have gotten invested in culture and make believe in a way that I think is a bit unhealthy. King said, I mean, it's supposed to be fun, right? Um, that's an interesting distinction between like when you love something like a property too much, you know? Right. Yeah. I think like when, (laughs) like, obviously I think it's, like cringy when people are like writing these petitions i guess to or like the last jedi like people getting so bad oh about i that. know that just like know. annoys me i guess but at the same time when annie read <laughs> the new chapter of <laughs> his book and started squealing i was like oh my god i'm looking in a mirror <laughs> so <laughs> It's tough because, like, as some as people who both enjoy obviously like engaging with works in, in a critical way, mm-hmm. um, it does feel like there's a very fine line between it. Sometimes, you know, right. like like the amount of things I read critiquing Game of Thrones after it came out was a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel like I have the investment to be like you should remake the whole thing. Like you owe me something, you know. Right. 
are like you oh that they owe me anything really um right maybe i think maybe it's because we look at it critically we're able to not be like this should be remade because i think it's almost fun to sort of look at something mm-hmm. and think about what it says about the culture that it was made in yeah and i think it's almost like kind of the best compliment you can pay something is to like engage with it critically and yeah. even be like this is bad you yeah know, ultimately or like for like certain reasons because you're like really paying attention to it and giving it um a lot of thought but she hates annie hates misery because it ends with misery dying yeah first of all who did, has anyone ever been named misery no. even in the 1800s probably not no <laughs> and i don't know if you caught the pig is also named misery yeah i did <laughs> And in the book, Annie was going to feed Paul to the pig and then make a book out of his skin called the Annie Wilkes. Oh my First God. Edition, like that's, I wish they did that. That's so creepy. Yeah. She also cut off his feet in the movie. <gasps> Holy fuck. That would have yeah. been creepy. I um, wish that was in the movie too, to be honest. I think they were like, it wouldn't, I was reading that they thought it wouldn't be triumphant at the end if his feet were gone. You know, like it well. wouldn't feel. yeah i know (laughs) i mean yeah i want i feel like that would have been cool if they went balls to the wall like (laughs) yeah cut off his feet it could have been a yeah it could have been a little crazier Uh, i was also reading that annie in the book runs over a policeman with a lawnmower and they were like we didn't do that because it would look funny and i'm like yeah well this movie could have used a little bit of camp in that way you know Mm -hmm. um yeah she is like a silly character it's almost like I don't know if I would have wanted all of that if I wasn't mm-hmm. already like desensitized to it because I like feel like I've already seen it a sure. million times. Even though I what did you think of um, this review by Derek Malcolm in The Guardian says, uh, he's talking about Kathy Bates' performance. Uh, she plays Annie Wilkes, a nurse with a murky past who digs Paul Sheldon, famous romantic novelist, out of his crashed car in the icy waste, nurses the badly crippled man back to something like health, and then imposes her will on him. It is all to the good of the film that it is not sexual. Do you agree with that? I think it was, like, a little sexual. Like, it was clear that, like, Annie had, like, a crush on Paul. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought, like, I was surprised. She, I mean, she it, like he was strapped to a bed the whole time, and she was like, I don't know. She's like getting off on his weakness, right? You know, yeah, that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, yeah, I thought it. I thought it was certainly. It's not like overtly sexual, right. but she is like girlish and young in her crush in him. Yeah, um, and uh, is a woman who's has like obviously like an active fantasy life because she's into these books and into the idea that he could be with her mm-hmm. as his, her prisoner, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if he, they didn't think it was sexual cause Kathy Bates isn't like a typical leading lady. Yeah. I, that possibly. Yeah. If she had been played by like a more conventional looking actress, I wonder if what that guy would have thought. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. Not cool. Yeah. Wow. She and she had only done theater uh, before this. I saw and, that. I think, and then like won an Oscar, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, What yeah, else she, is she in? I know she's in. Like, she's in. She's in the Office. <laughs> true. Uh, <laughs> she's an uh, American Horror Story, but I don't know. I haven't seen her in that many films actually. Uh, I know that King wrote the book Dolores Claiborne for her to be in the movie, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that is. Cool. I think both of these movies we're talking about were bought to be adapted why king was writing them like they oh wow he was so popular then that they were like they just knew that they'd be made movies yeah. as he was writing them wow that's yeah. cool that's kind of cool that's how you know you made it yeah 
That's weird. Um, it's like, it, it's one of those, it's sort of like uh, when we talked about Lizzie, how it's like, we, it's such a, what, what's her name? Chloe Seven. Yeah, Chloe Seven Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, we know their names, obviously, but we can't picture what they've actually been in besides like a few things. Yeah. Well, she's like a character mm. actress too. So she's never, I think there's only a few things I can think of right. her being like the starring person. Um, and so I also wanted to point out that King said that this book is really about substance abuse. I can and see that. Sober. I did think I about that, that like during yeah. like during the movie because of the drugs that she was giving him. And mm-hmm. there's a part where he uh, is like really sweaty and like kind of looks crazy because he has been like running around mm-hmm. the house, but he blames it on like not having his pills, being in pain. Um, yeah. So I can definitely see that. Not just because of that part, but I think there's, like, a lot about, like, recovery and sort of feeling trapped and things that could be related Mm -hmm. to addiction. And, like, the Stockholm Mm -hmm. Syndrome aspect, you know, is, like, addiction. um, that He Mm -hmm. he relies on her, even though she's causing him all this pain and and trauma. Um, In in the book, Annie's backstory, I can't really remember that much of it, but I know she was as they show in the movie, like this nurse who mm-hmm. was killing babies and stuff um, and had a husband, I think that she killed, but apparently Kathy Bates and Rob Reiner agreed that Annie was molested by her father mm-hmm. as a child. Um, and that's why she killed infants and old people in wow. nursing care. Which is yeah. Yeah, intense. It's crazy. At the beginning, I was wondering if it would go into like a Munchausen's angle, but it didn't seem to be that really. Mm, yeah. And it was interesting that she, like, nuked it so fast, and she was like, I guess yeah, we'll just die together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't expect that. Um, and I felt bad for the detective. Me too. Oh, like my gosh. A lot, and then he's killed I so did. Quickly. I loved the sheriff and his wife. And I loved how the sheriff's wife was, like, I just, they, they had such a good, funny dynamic. Yeah, they did. They really did. And, I, yeah, they could have almost done more with that plot line and made it more of a, like, detective who done Yeah, I would have loved Paul. that. Yeah. And had more of Annie in the town, mm-hmm. you know, interacting with people, mm-hmm. getting suspicious. You don't really see yeah, her that interact with anyone besides the sheriff at the end. And yeah, all. that's true. Um, so in the Castle Rock TV show that's based on, like, the Stephen King universe, mm-hmm. um, it, Lizzie Kaplan is going to play, play Annie Wilkes in the new season. I don't watch it, but I watch the trailer where they mm-hmm. introduce her as Annie Wilkes. Oh, cool. And it's, like, her time as a nurse that they're introducing mm-hmm. her. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah. So this is a one-star review that Bridget found on the internet. It's a sad small one. <laughs> As for the premise, a middle-aged fat fan tortures this, quote, writer, end quote, for 100 minutes. I love that quote, the that, writers. Quote. I know. I know. I read another one where they were like, uh, James Cann is not believable as a writer because it's like saying that. Brooke Shields should be a scientist or something. And I was like, oh, fuck you, first of all. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> What? Yeah, uh, I know. It's That's annoying that they pointed that out about Kathy Bates. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were your final thoughts on Misery? You know, it was sort of boring. I was a little disappointed. I wanted it to, like, yeah. really, you know, disturb me, and it just didn't get there. And I think it's not necessarily the film's fault. I think it's the way that the culture has, like, disseminated the yeah the, that's a good way of putting it. clips of the most disturbing mm, parts the imagery yeah. yeah so um i'll give it like a five and a half 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, you can almost see how this would be better adapted almost for the stage. Mm-hmm. Like if you were mm-hmm. hearing maybe like an inner monologue on Paul's part, mm-hmm. I think you'd care more about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would just kind of give more heft to the mm-hmm. story rather than just kind of being like very basic about his survival mm-hmm. and escape. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kathy Bates is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a great vehicle for mm-hmm. her. So I would give it a five mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Cool. Um, so next we're talking about uh, Christine from 1983. At the start of the school year, Arnie Cunningham might be the most unpopular kid at his high school. His glasses are too big. His jokes are too nerdy. His mom runs his life. And even his only friend, Dennis, encourages him to lose his virginity soon. Everything changes when Arnie buys Christine, a banged-up 1957 Plymouth Fury. Even though Christine is a verifiable antique, Arnie is drawn to the car. As Christine is repaired, Arnie transforms into a smooth-talking, leather-jacket-wearing stud who starts dating the pretty new girl, Lee. The only problem is that the first lady in his life, Christine, gets jealous. The car has a mind of its own and starts to attack anyone who threatens Arnie's new status, whether it be bullies or his friends. Um, have you seen this movie before? No. And I was so surprised when I found out that Christine was the car. <laughs> that is so funny. I have a screenshot of that text message. I, what, did you think Christine was a girl in it? Yeah, I did. Oh. I was, I was like excited to meet Christine, like the girl. Oh no. And then I was like, like Christine is the car. What yes, the fuck? She is, she is the car. I mean, Christine is a girl, the car, yeah. as they say in the movie. You're right. Um, I watched this actually two years ago when the first It came out. Some TV channel did like a Stephen King marathon mm-hmm. and I watched Christine and Misery back to back. I was wow. like remembering this, like sitting on my couch one Saturday and I was like, oh, well, that's so funny. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and I was like surprised. I got kind of like sucked in watching it when it came on TV because mm-hmm. it's like a really good like you're not doing anything on a Saturday mm-hmm. and it comes on, you know, type of movie. And you the beginning seek out. does like grab you, I feel like. Yeah, it does. And I it's... It's like Cujo in that it works, I think, because the human normal drama of these characters' lives is, like, initially compelling, you know, mm-hmm. where you're like, yeah. oh, this this woman is, like, cheating on her husband mm-hmm. and she's, like, bored at home. Mm-hmm. And here it's like, oh, these, like, this is, like, an angry young man who's picked on at school and he has, like, this attractive, more popular friend. Mm-hmm. And you, you start, like, just him caring. And, like, yeah. you would expect to sort of bully him, too, but is being, like, kind yeah. to him. Yeah, so you just, like, get pulled in, and that's when King introduces, like, kind of, like, this other supernatural element, um, mm-hmm. which is, in this case, a sentient car. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a hard it's a hard uh, sell yeah. when you just hear about it, like, it's a car that kills people. Yeah, but, uh, but I had to say that, like, from – the movie starts with, like, the sound of an engine revving, and I have yeah, to say that, so good. like, that revved me up. Yeah, like, it's a it's like, a really good effect. Like they do the title yeah. cards, I think, right? Like yeah. it's just the engine running. It was really good. It I, I got me like pumped. I was so excited yeah. for the movie. It was also like sexy, which I have never felt yeah. like like I've never like been into cars. Yeah, I've never been into <laughs> yeah. cars ever. Same, same. Um, I was but, like, oh, this would be a hard read for that reason. Yeah, I'd be like, I don't care about reading about the car. <laughs> yeah, I, same. But for some yeah. reason, that rev it did for me. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. And it's it's funny. I think like if we were into more cars, maybe we could talk about this more. How about how like a car is very often like a symbol or like a metaphor for like virility mm-hmm. and like manliness. I mean, you yeah. see those guys driving those big cars. Um, and there's so many jokes to be made there about like um, being kind of like a phallic subbin. Uh, but this is a story about like a, a young boy who becomes more masculine when he gets a nice car. Yeah. Um, I feel like yeah. maybe it would be, this would be a good movie to like get a boy's opinion on because we don't know anything yeah. about growing up as a boy and coming into mm. puberty as a boy. And we and also don't these know about cars. <laughs> and I will say for that reason, and this is probably like pretty expected from us. I wish that there had been more of Lee's perspective, the girlfriend in this movie. Yeah, me too. Because you get. Like, I just want to hear her kind of, like, voice opinions about stuff or, like, frustrations. For sure. And especially, Mm -hmm. like, as I came into this movie expecting a large presence of an actual human girl. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that I was disappointed that Lee didn't get more. Because especially she's, like, presented as this, like, cool new girl. And And then you don't really hear much from her. And, like, you're supposed to believe that she's, like, in love with Arnie, sort of. Yeah, and wants to is like willing to almost risk her life for him. I and did I'm not like, buy why? that at all. Yeah, yeah why? like they didn't have any like chemistry yeah, at all. No, uh, not at all. I read that the guy was really nervous about like kissing her too, and they had to practice, which is sweet. But um, <laughs> they had no chemistry, and then I just wished, yeah, that like she like we knew what drew her to him initially because even with just the nice car and like the glow up, you're like, okay, there has to be some catch for this beautiful right. girl to want to yeah. to want to be with this guy. Yeah. Um, it's funny that the other friend Dennis mm-hmm. like could be from any time. Like he does not look 80s at all. Yeah. He's just like a normal, yeah. like the most normal looking guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's cute though. I love that. He's, he's cute. Like, nice I liked him guy. too. He's a good. He's a good friend. Yeah, I um, love that. He's nice to Arnie. And, I love that he like gets uh, choked up when he's confronting Arnie about how he's changed and how he's yeah. concerned about him. And he like he like he's like I can't even recognize you anymore. And he's like his voice is cracking. I was like, oh, Dennis. I know. So sweet. So sweet. Um, and I'm sure the book gets more into that, like male friendship. Um. When the old guy they buy the car from at the beginning of the movie is like, mm, the best two smells, uh, car and pussy. It's like, that's the movie. That's yeah. them. Uh, the film's thesis is that women are like cars and cars are like women. Uh, <laughs> and it's important to have one. <laughs> it's so, this movie has a lot of like silly, like, and I'm not sure the film necessarily believes that, but I feel like Arnie believes it. So I feel like it's almost, I don't know. I i don't know, but I definitely think it is almost critiquing people who think that way. I don't think yeah. the film yeah. is necessarily... Uh, Agreed. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of weird, like, the the way that these characters talk is really weird. It's like they're, like, putting in curse words. Did you read that? No. Wait. Okay, so sure. they... The movie was going to be PG-13, but they thought more people would see it if it was R, so they arbitrarily added curse words to That's the script. so funny. The, you, like, they, the amount of times they say cunt is, like, more than any other movie I've ever I, seen. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. And how many Artie also it. just likes to call people shitters, 
which I thought was so funny. It's like when a little kid doesn't know how to curse, like, and they just keep saying like the one word that they know, which in Arnie's case was like shitter. I remember when I was like in third grade, I tried to curse a lot and I just said jackass because I didn't know any other. No, jackass is a great child swear. (laughs) I love it. I would be tickled if a child said jackass to me. Um, How about the main villain bully looking like John Travolta, like a uncanny John Travolta? Yeah, they do. I was like, is that John Travolta? No, the budget no. is not there. But it does look a lot like him. And it also mm-hmm. continues the theme of like 30-something-year-olds trying yes. to Yes! Oh my god. Watching it, I said to Tim, I was like, the the two boys in the scene in the library, the two boys Dennis are with, look mm-hmm. like they're 30. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They look so old. They yeah. look craggy. Like, they all, they all, like, everyone girl, but Arnie, Lee? I feel like, is like... Yeah. Everyone else looks very old. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so this was uh, directed by John Carpenter, and you can tell he's so stylish. It's something else that Misery was missing, was kind of like these big stylistic choices. Um, I think he just like knows his way around a camera really mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And there's so many great effects with the mm-hmm. car, mm-hmm. like where you're like, how on earth do they, they do this? Yeah. It's not CGI. It's mm-hmm. the, the car regenerates a lot. Yeah. And they did it through pumps, but it looks amazing. Yeah. Really, I was really thinking cool. that too. It, it is really cool. And it was cool to read that they did it like, um, you found this in your mm-hmm. research, but they like use the pumps, like you said, to like, uh, kind of cave in the car, but then they reverse the footage to look like it was coming back to yeah. life. Yeah, and they put the black screens in when Christine would like go rogue by herself, mm. so you couldn't see any stunt driver in the front of the car, mm. which was a like cool practical mm. choice. Mm-hmm. I also I loved the sequence where Christine is on fire, mm-hmm. chasing down that guy, and it's just like she's emblazoned on like mm-hmm. a black horizon, kind mm-hmm. of coming towards him. It's so spooky and it looks so yeah. cool. Like how did they do that? Yeah, it was so good. How did they get that car to drive on fire? Yeah, and also really, really cool. Astounded by the. Uh, people that are getting chased by the car choosing to run in the middle of the road time and time again. I love you and the one star reviewer. Yeah, <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> um, like serpentine. Yeah, <laughs> or go over the Jersey barrier, like the one star yeah, reviewer exactly. will say. Yeah. Um, I do think that I think it's obviously silly that like Christine is being compared to a girl this entire time. Uh, yeah, but she's clearly I was, a like, demon. <laughs> But I was like, when I guess that they must have done like a pretty good job of like characterizing her that way, because when she is uh, there's a scene where she's attacked by all the like bullies and she's just sort of like um, ripped apart and like bashed in. and It's mm-hmm. really violent. It was pretty disturbing to me. What? Did, did, yeah. And that one of them shit on her, which we yeah. don't see. But like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. It, it was it's disturbing because she was characterized as a... Yeah, it, it really bothered me, actually. And I I was, like, struggling with it because I was like, it's a car! <laughs> but they... Yeah. I guess they do, like... They they humanize her in some... She has, like, a kind of radio that makes yeah. her thoughts known, yeah. um, which it's is like interesting. It's like Bumblebee. <laughs> it is, like... She is, like... Maybe she in, she's a Transformer. <laughs> An evil Transformer that we don't get to see. Yeah. Uh, Tim was telling me that there is one girl Transformer... Oh, really? And she has, like, boobs. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> and she becomes, like, a pink car or whatever. Oh, <laughs> Tim Ian has a lot about Transformers. Um, <laughs> uh, it is 
an interesting theme of Stephen King's, which you see a lot in It, obviously, but in other movies too, are set in the 80s, but looking back towards the 50s when he was a child. And yeah. this movie does it too. She's from the 50s. All of the mm-hmm. music is from the 50s. Mm-hmm. And Arnie kind of transforms himself into like a greaser or kind right. of from the 50s. And the um, bully is sort of like that too. Maybe I'm just yeah. thinking because of John. Yeah, Jackson's no, it, it for but, sure it is. Yeah. And it's funny now because we're like kind of equidistance nostalgic for yeah. now Stephen King style from yeah. the 80s. And he's nostalgic for the 50s. Yeah, which I um, think it means that we are also sort of nostalgic for the 50s in a way yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. because he was so influenced by it and he so influenced our view of the 80s. It's like, yeah. And it was kind of like the same sort of idyllic time in America, the 80s and the 50s, or to some people, obviously to some groups, yeah. but um, <laughs> characterized pop culture wise like that, you know, mm-hmm. um, I do think this movie, I think it is, it will probably be remade, but I would hope if they remade it, they would um, kind of touch on latent, anger and aggression in Arnie more mm-hmm. not in like a mm-hmm. the Joker movie coming out with Joaquin Phoenix way but yeah. kind of like a more critique of that you know where yeah. he is like this like like he's angry he his best friend's popular and hot he wants he wants to lose his virginity mm-hmm. and he gets this car mm-hmm. I, I wish they would be more explicit with that right. I guess because I I'm do saying. think they do a good job of do of critiquing it in this movie uh-huh. but I think that with like the way that the culture has sort of I mean, like, with, like, Reddit and, like, the incel thing and whatever, all that, with the internet, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think it could be just, like, probably exposed in a, like you said, like, a more explicit way. Mm Mm-hmm. I did see, I think on Vulture somewhere, they were like, this has to be remade with a self-driving Uber. Uh, No. (laughs) Not that. (laughs) Um, That would be so bad. Please no. Um, oh, so this one guy, Gary Arnold from the Washington Post in the 1983 when it came out, basically said that um, Christine the Fury emerges as the diabolical rival to Mrs. Cunningham, who he says is Arnie's domineering mother. Hmm. Um, and he writes, perhaps reluctant to show brainy upper middle class Arnie using Christine as an avenging vehicle against parental authority. The filmmakers work off the kids resentments rather indirectly against safely scummy antagonists like the auto shop hoods who try to terrorize Arnie in their class and later vandalize his private possession. I thought there's an interesting point where it's clear that like his mom is kind of like set up to be an antagonist mm-hmm. um, of Arnie's and both of his parents are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that could also be like kind of something a little more heady and, and dark if they explored that in like a future adaptation. Yeah, I think that that is definitely something that could be explored more because they'd only touched mm-hmm. upon it or like hinted at it. But I do think yeah. the mom was very interesting, like in yeah. the way that she interacted with Arnie and Dennis, I think. Yeah, and especially when you think, not to be super dark, but a lot of the times these angry young men who like go on school shootings, like the right. first person they attack or hurt is like their mother yeah. or sister or girlfriend. Yeah. Um, so yeah, kind of spooky there. Um, I, you know, overall, like a fun movie, a fun, I'm, yeah. like, I'm happy we watched I d- it. Yeah, I do think that it started off much stronger than it ended yeah, and it ended, ended up sure. being a little bit repetitive as well. Mm-hmm. So like by the time Arnie dies, I'm like, uh, okay, like, yeah. there's no emotional sort of attachment right. to him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I was like almost falling. I was definitely. I was falling asleep. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> almost falling okay. asleep. I was falling asleep. Um, but that was also my fault for watching it super late at night. But yeah. um, did you did you see that Carpenter remade it in 2017 as a music video? I, I suggest watch. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I watched that. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. The music was good is music. good in this movie. I like it. Yeah. 
It's. I think he did it. Yeah, he did do it. Cool. He also did the music. You'll see when we watch Halloween. Spoiler mm-hmm. of our show. But um, he does. He did the Halloween score too. He's very talented. Yeah. To be yeah. a director and to compose. I feel movies. embarrassed, but and I might cut this out. But I uh, confused him and Cronenberg in our last episode about. That's okay. It. You know, and I, I think them all the time. It's because the thing is very Cronenbergian. Cronenberg. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. That's why. Could, it's because so, existence I, is like. There are only so many white male horror movie directors we can keep straight. It's I, not our fault. <laughs> if there were more variety, they'd be yeah. easier to tell apart. Um, so this is the one star review we have for this movie. It's in a similar vein to our Cujo reviews. Oh no, a car is going to get you. Just go inside any house or building or venture into a wooded area and your terror will subside. Most people are aware that safety bollards exist, those short vertical concrete posts that will stop any car, and that Jersey barriers are all over the place too. Shout out to Jersey. (laughs) If your anxiety begins to become too much, you can also just keep some tire spikes in your pocket. The premise for this movie is beyond dumb and is in no way a horror movie. First of all, Christine is a magical car, so if you tried to pop her tire, I feel like she would regenerate. Yeah, exactly. It is scary. Nice like the end scene where they, she just keeps coming back and they have to just crush her into like a little cube um, to get yeah. rid of her. That's scary. It's There's nothing that you can scary. do because she's magic. Oh, villains like that are scary that like, you can tear apart, but they can still yeah, regenerate somehow. Like Mike Myers. That is spooky. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Um, Mackenzie, what are your final thoughts and rating? Uh, I liked this more than Misery, I think. I think you're going to say six. I'm going to say six too. I just wanted to put it Okay. I'm going to say six. Yeah. Okay. It it was just more fun. It was like the music, the like, it was more like colorful. The um, teens. Yeah. Teens in quotes. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I liked it. Old ass teens. I liked it too. It's fun. I would watch it again if it came on TV, you know, and had on the background. Yeah. 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 And this is a movie I do think could benefit from, like, a cool remake. Um, yeah. So I'm going to give it a six as well. Cool. And thus ends our Stephen King month at Chick Flix. Mm-hmm. Uh, closing out, we've done six Stephen King adaptation movies. Yeah. Now we're moving into the spookiest time of year. Oh, such a good... It was such a good kickoff to get us into October. Yeah, a primer. Yeah. And now we're here. It's like our... Our, when we're our strongest. Yes. <laughs> it's true. I, I love it because it's Halloween and then immediately after it's Scorpio season. And it's just like chef's kiss. Yeah. Most people would say Christmas, but yeah. <laughs> Not me. It's true. <laughs> um, it would really help us out if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe whenever you get your podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and re- Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail.com. Our next episode will air on October 14th, which is crazy that it'll be that deep into October mm-hmm. already. And we are going to watch Demon Night and Evil Dead. Ooh. Mm. I'm so excited for that. Yeah. Uh, ChickFlix is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Krug Carlson for our music. Thanks for listening to ChickFlix. I'm going to say it. Thank again. you guys. Thanks Bye. for listening to ChickFlix. I can't say it. <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. Thank you for listening to ChickFlix. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.